Okay, welcome to Progressive News Network's Sunday show. I'm Janine Moloff, the producer and host. Uh, this is a combined show. It's Progressive News Network, or PNN, with its companion show, EJR, or the Environmental Justice Report. Uh, and today's story really is going to be two parts, because I found so much intricate information that even in a two-hour slot, if we go that long, it's just not enough. And this is an important you know, an important story. It's important to our democracy. It's important to the very concept of justice, and it's envi- important to the environment. So if you saw the advert, it says PNN with Janine Moloff, and it says Cop City and the Threat to the First Amendment. Now, those of you who don't know what Cop City is, it is a proposed training facility that's established to allegedly train police and firefighters, but it's really established to further militarize our police departments. Excuse me. <coughs> sorry. We've had so many. Sorry about that. This is a live show, and my asthma's kicking up today. So, again, Cop City has been established. It's being proposed, that is, really to further militarize our police departments. Um, Cop City is... The one we're talking about right now is being proposed outside in Atlanta, uh, kind of in the burbs, and it's been met with protest as the corporations behind this compound, or this proposed compound that is, seek to increase their influence and subsequently use public police departments as their, I'll just call it what it is, public-private capos or mafia-like enforcers against the pesky people, you know, people like you and me who actually believe in democracy. Now, the story is really outrageous because there was a group that was that was protesting it, peaceful protest, and within that group there was a young activist named Manuel Pez Tehran. He was in a seated cross-legged position when he was shot 57 times by Atlanta police during this nonviolent protest. Um, he was 26 years old at the time of his police murder. I don't, you can't call it, that's what it was. Uh, protests continued and predictably arrests followed for what is really protected First Amendment activities. A group called the Atlanta Solidarity Fund raises funds and arranges bail for, bail and attorneys, that is, for arrested protesters. Three members of that group were arrested the last week or so in a violent SWAT attack on their tiny little home. Now, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out the ramifications for democracy are obvious. Now, advert, it says story number two ties in with the first story. And story number two will begin to discuss the corporate interest behind Cop City and the obvious conflict of interest. Uh, it also said that I'm going to begin to discuss the, the danger of new laws which expand the definition of, quote, terrorism, end quote. Now, that second story, we're, we're going to probably have to make this into a, two, uh, a two-part a two series, maybe three, I'm not sure yet. I will touch upon that in story number two. The, the sequel to this particular episode will go in greater depth, you know, in terms of the forces behind all of this, because I, I found a phenomenal report um, that – Again, it's very long, and to do it justice, I really need the time to do it. 
Okay. Then, of course, we will have, you know, our My Little Margie segment. And then, of course, our renowned Jackass of the Week Award. So, with no further ado, let's get into this. And, you know, this Cop City thing, make no mistake about it, these militaristic uh, trainings, it, the idea is to really, what, what, the way we abuse people in Fallujah is being brought to mainstream, Main Street, USA. Now, one of the things you need to ask yourself is why wasn't this on CNN? Why wasn't this on ABC, CBS? Uh, why wasn't it on NPR? I think they might have touched upon it. Again, they talk about the George Floyd protests and subsequent protests, which are per- which are really perfectly justified because the community is coming together to basically say police murdering our people needs to stop. Make no mistake about it. And this is a very contentious issue because, you know, here in my hometown of St. Louis, I know some, I have some friends that are perfectly nice people. But when you mentioned the George Floyd protest or even Ferguson, all they focus on is what they saw on mainstream news. I'm not talking Fox. We know Fox is perfect bullshit, although nobody's perfect, but it is bullshit. But I'm talking about CNN. What they keep, what, you know, what these people see is that, wow, there were, there was a handful of people that set fire to buildings. You know, the fact that people that committed those crimes weren't actually part of the protest groups makes no difference. That's what they focus on. And trying to convince them is is almost impossible it's it's, you know again mainstream read corporate media needs to be taken to task just does all right so with no further ado let's move on with our story so i'm going to scroll on up here again this is a live broadcast folks so if there are things that seem a little bit you know lumpy or bumpy along the way it's because again there's no do-over here and I don't have, I, I'm not going to edit things out. This is just me trying to, you know, share this news with you. So, again, there's been some great reporting by The Intercept, which is an online publication, um, especially by a reporter named Natasha Leonard. And so we're going to kind of start with protest. Again, we know that Cop City is wanted by the rich and the powerful in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, a lot of low-income groups and the black community doesn't want it. So there, and environmental groups as well, because part of the plan is to tear down this forest that is really environmentally considered one of, it's been called one of the four lungs of Atlanta, and just basically strip it down so they can build the complex that, frankly, is not needed. So... Let me go to this. So this is a group called um, Climate Democracy, kind of an interesting title. And they have a petition out here, and they say we must stop Cop City. This is this is from uh, something published March 16th, actually. So we're backing up a little bit here. Cop City is really getting nationwide attention, um, and according to this group, for an unfortunate reason. Quote, the facility is a stark reminder of the intersecting and destructive powers of white supremacy, militarism, and the climate crisis. And that's as documented by actionnetwork.org. Now, the current plans for this cop city development in Atlanta, or outside of Atlanta, it would become 
the largest police training facility in the United States. Get this. It will be so large, according to this group, it will be, quote, larger than 85 NFL football fields combined. And that's this document by Axios.com. Let that sink in for a minute. How are they going to do that? They're going to have to clear cut and destroy hundreds of acres of a forest known as the Wilani Forest so that they can train cops to be more brutal. Okay. Now, this project is backed by many corporations who have contributed millions of dollars, and the corporations include the likes of Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan, as well as the Atlanta Police Foundation. And you have to understand something. When you hear something about a police foundation, a lot of people assume that that is, you know, a public-type organization. It's not. Every police foundation in the United States is funded by private corporate dollars. Make no mistake about it. And it's not to benefit you or I. It's to benefit the rich. Okay. So there are some groups like Corporate Accountability as well as some allies. They're, call, they're demanding that the private, invest, the private investors for Atlanta's cop city complex just pull their funding already and also break ties with the Atlanta Police Foundation. Okay. There are neighborhoods surrounding the Wilani Forest. And surprise, surprise, who lives in these neighborhoods? Lower income black residents. Wow. But this isn't about racism, is it? Eh, of course it is. Uh, now, those of you that will say, well, Atlanta is so cosmopolitan. You know, they're, you know they're, they have a black mayor, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but that's wealthier people against the rest of us. Okay? So this is something you have to figure with this type of militaristic training how do you know that even as a white person with white privilege, how do you know that you're not going to be victimized by it next? Because newsflash, you will. So that's the complex that's being trained, that's being planned. The complex would include, um, let me go back here. Give me a second, folks. I had so much information here that it's kind of evolved. It takes a while to, you know, actually go through it. Okay. All right. So, basically, um, I'm looking for it. I'm sorry, folks. All right. Cop City, a lot of this also has to deal with, you know, um, according to one group, gentrification. Okay. In fact, there is a publication, I know I'm skipping around a little bit, called Scalawag. And Scalawag is the publication that also published a phenomenal article, report really, that goes in depth into, you know, the real motives behind all this and who, you know, and names names. And historically, so this is a piece by Justin A. Davis written this past February. The headline is Cop City, Gentrification, and Young Thug, Atlanta's Uneven War Over Green Space in the, quote, City of the Forest, end quote. Um, so gentrification is being once again used, 
you know, uh, they're calling it urban renewal, but that's what it is. And, you know, it, it's this also involves, uh, you know, a prosecutor, Fannie Willis. So it says here the ongoing YSL, which is Young Thugs, Young Stoner Life, okay, trial that swept up a suite of Atlanta rappers from Young Thug to Gunna, reveals how gentrification under the guise of urban renewal and the police state sustain each other. So apparently, and I'm kind of getting off topic a little bit here, there's an indictment against an Atlanta rapper called Young Thug, Young Stoner Life. Okay. I guess the Young Thug is the Atlanta rapper's name, and his record's called Young Stoner Life. And um, basically, DA Fannie Willis, who's also prosecuting uh, Donald Trump, um, you know, argued that YSL members started, quote, marking up territory's blood tar- territory. It's horrible. The community deserves to be safe. We hope this indictment helps to keep them safe. Um, and the police, they see it as taking back gang territory. Um, and again, you know, what this writer is saying, I'm just going to read from this here. It says here, quote, the police project's The police project of taking back gang territory has material effects on the city's planning ambitions. Increasingly, the police's war on working-class black life and culture in Atlanta works in tandem with the city's encroachment on on and underdeveloped neighborhoods. So really, Atlanta's state institutions, that is, are focused on another green, too, the green ecosystem standing in the way of gentrification. It goes on to say, quote, if you control green space in Atlanta, you have a say in what the region's future will look like, whether it will keep being known as the city of the forest or whether it will continue down the path of urban renewal. Young thugs likely wrestled with these questions himself during a recent foray into real estate development, something that his new charges have disrupted. The green of the city's $235.7 million police budget which represents almost a third of Atlanta's general fund this coming year, leverages a lot of power, so does the forest. So Young Thung in 2015 says, quote, I sell some more green, I smoke on some more green, I look like a motherfucking forest, end quote. So, you know, again, what's happened is in 2021, the Atlanta City Council voted to lease over 300 acres of this undeveloped forest and they were going to lease it to the Atlanta Police Foundation. Now, a police foundation is not a public institution. It's a nonprofit, and it works hand-in-hand with corporate interests. Um, and, you know, there's they want a police and fire department training facility. Um, so the, the public training center has, they call it a public safety training center. So funny. They have plans for like classrooms, driving courses, get this, an explosives testing area. Okay. And it's a $90 million price tag. Now, again, where they want to build this is in near neighborhoods also. The forest kind of is in the area. And there's an elementary school that would be, not too far away, my understanding is from that explosive testing area. Okay. Um, now the plans do incre- include some beautification. There's, you know, the the police foundation uh, says it'll include features like quote walking paths, picnic areas, a community garden, and a weekly farmers market. End quote. Yeah, that's all going to be really nice. Uh, and that's going to make up for the idea that. That's going to make up, make the difference, uh, 
and make up for the explosive testing area. Okay, what happens if some child happens to wander on there? And again, the police foundation's pushing this, but who's the police foundation? Corporate interest, all right? Um, now, the police foundation, according to this article, their pitch doesn't mention a lot of the environmental damage that would, which would be routine from this large development. Um, noise pollution from gunshots and explosions or, quote, leaching construction materials into soil and polluting waterways with heavy metal toxins found in bullets and grenades, end quote. Okay. Why do they need to be playing with grenades? Okay. Now, um, there's a lot of people that want to stop Cop City. And there's a broad coalition, and this is as documented by TheIntercept.com. They include neighborhood associations, environmentalists as well as, yes, organizers in black and indigenous liberation struggles. Uh, there's protesters with a group called Defend the Atlanta Forest, and these are the ones that occupied the forest on and off for more than a year, according to, as documented by TheGuardian.com, and they're claiming, you know, the city in, city's incursions into the forest um, j just show how police expansion is getting out of control and how it really does contribute to the climate crisis. Keep in mind, this training facility will allow police as they're training, yes, of a farmer's market on a walking path, but they're also going to be playing with grenades and other explosives. Okay? Now, these protesters have been going on for about a year now, and then it comes up to how the officers killed 26-year-old Manuel Turgut, Manuel Pays Turan, okay, and it was during a raid, okay. So now I'm going to go back, if I gave you a little bit of a background there, it, 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 there's a lot of information here. So the intercept, um, you know, again, Manuel Turgut, I cannot pronounce it, Tortuguita Turan, it says here, quote, was it looks like Manuel Torgutuda. I'm sorry. This is the piece by Natasha Leonard. Let me start again. The headline is Police Shoot Atlanta Cop City Protester 57 Times Autopsy Finds. So this isn't just people in the public saying they shot him all these times. The autopsy says he was shot 57 times. It goes on to say, quote, it looks like Manuel Tortuguita Turan was executed by firing squad, underscoring why we must stop the massive police training center. Now, this was a multi-agency raid on that group called Defend Atlanta Forest, as well as Stop Cop City. It was an encampment. This happened back in January. Um, and, you know, basically, you know, police officials, of course, claimed that uh, – Manuel Turan shot first and hit a straight state trooper. That's their claim. The only problem is, according to this article, quote, in body camera footage that was later released after police said none would be, one officer said the cop had been shot by his fellow police, end quote. And that's just documented by TheIntercept.com. Uh, it goes on to say, quote, authorities dismissed the footage as speculation and said evidence did not support the remarks. It goes on to say, quote, a previous independent autopsy ordered by Tor Tortuguita's family found that the activist's hands were raised when they were shot. 
how in the hell could he shoot the cop first if his hands were raised? In other words, this is what the autopsy found. There's no way he could have had a weapon in his hands then. So the police were caught in the lie. Okay? Now, after shortly after that, DeKalb County Medical Examiner's Office released their official autopsy report. Um, and this is as documented by abcnews.com. And the, the police, their own agency, the DeKalb County Medical Examiner's Office, official autopsy said, quote, found no trace of gunpowder residue on Tortuguita's hands. See, if he had shot the cop first, then there would have been gunpowder residue on his hands. There was none. So again, the cops got caught in a lie, both by the family's uh, independent medical examiners, independent autopsy, as well as the official autopsy for the city. It goes on to say, quote, the young activist's body was so riddled with at least, at least 57 gunshot wounds, including in the head, torso, hands, and legs. There's so much so, quote, the medical examiner has ruled the death a homicide, end quote. Okay. This is what happened here, the brutality of it. And, you know, once again, mainstream news covered the shooting. They didn't really cover much of Cop City, okay? They just made it look like, you know, these were some wackadoodle protesters, but that's not the case, all right? And this militarized raid, this is exactly a type of what's called counterinsurgency tactic, military tactic, that Cop City wants to train more cops on um so you know once again this is what we're dealing here with here um ironically according to the article there's zero body cam footage that directly captures the moments when cops quote pumped 57 plus bullets into the young activist body end quote none okay so once again this young protester, he was camped out. He was inconveniencing not only the cops, but the rich, corporate, and powerful, that, and that's who the cops work for, truth be told. Okay? So we're going to move on. And take a little water here. Okay, no callers. All right. So we're going to move on here. So not only did they murder this young man, 26 years old, you know, again, the cops got caught in a lie. They claimed that Tortuguita, no, Manuel, uh, they, they claimed that this young man shot first. But their own medical examiner that the police used said no gunpowder residue at all, not even a trace on his hands, which means there's no way he could have shot anybody. None. Okay? So, as if that weren't bad enough. Okay? You know, when you're arrested by police, whether, you know, the arrest is solid or not, you have a right to ask the judge for bail. You have a right to an attorney, all that. Apparently not in Atlanta when it comes to anyone protesting Cop City, because this is big corporate money. Again, the Intercept uh, report... uh, that was 
published May 31st by Natasha Leonard. Here's the headline, quote, Atlanta police arrest organizers of bail fund for cop city protesters. Part of a brutal crackdown on dissent against the police training facility, the SWAT raid and charges against the protest. Uh, okay. Part of a brutal crackdown on dissent against the police training facility, the SWAT raid and charges against the protest bail fund are unprecedented. Okay. And the SWAT raid we're talking about is this. There is a group. Okay. And it's called the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, and they've been a resource for activists uh, in this particular fight, you know, to try and stop Cop City. They are a nonprofit, and they, you know, provide bail funds, they provide jail support, um, they provide assistance with legal representation for activists in Atlanta ever since the Black Liberation Uprisings in 2020, you know, George Floyd and all that. Now, um, the fund is also, a pro- quote, a project of the registered nonprofit Network for Strong Communities. And they've provided grants um, supporting all sorts of anti-repression work in Atlanta, uh, including providing support to groups that work with unhoused trans youth, black worker-owned cooperatives, and abolitionist community builders. Okay? Um, so... What they're doing is protected activity by the First Amendment, all right? We have something similar here in St. Louis called Arch City Defenders. Well, apparently in Atlanta, even under a black mayor, Mayor Dickens, Democrat, um, that is not protected. So here's what happened. Um, This was Wednesday morning, so May 31st that week. There was a SWAT team raid on the house that basically, um, on the house where the Atlanta Solidarity Fund did its work and where the organizers, I guess, lived. Now, and what it resulted, this SWAT team uh, raid, they arrested three of the residents. Um, and according to the article of their crime, quote, organizing legal support and bail funds for protesters and activists who have faced indiscriminate arrest and overreaching charges in the struggle to stop the construction of a vast police training facility dubbed Cop City atop a forest in Atlanta, end quote. Now, this goes on to say it wasn't just Atlanta cops, okay? I'm reading straight from Natasha Leonard's uh, article, quote, in a joint operation with the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, okay, that means the Georgia um, – branch of the FBI. So I'll say it again, quote, in a joint operation with the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, Atlanta cops charged Marlon Scott Coates, Adele McLean, and Savannah Patterson, which are all three of these people are board members of the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, get this, with, quote, money laundering and charity fraud, end quote. Now, keep in mind, Donald Trump is obviously guilty of money laundering up to yin-yang. There's so much evidence, it's just not even funny. He's still walking around. But these people who provide bail support that gets in the way of corporate interests, they're being charged with money laundering. Okay? And charity fraud. I'd like to see, and again, this wasn't just the Atlanta police. I'd like to see the Georgia Bureau of Investigation investigated. 
And really, this is, Natasha Leonard says, and it's true, this is an unprecedented attack on, you know, the right to bail and legal support. Okay? And it's not just my opinion. This is also according to Lauren Regan, who is the executive director of the Civil Liberties Defense Center. Regan was quoted as saying the following, quote, this is the first bail fund to be attacked in this way. And there's absolutely not a scintilla of fact or evidence that anything illegal has ever transpired with, with regard to Atlanta fundraising for bail support, end quote. Okay? So, once again, so the Atlanta Solidarity Fund's been attacked. Some of their organizers are being charged with some serious, you know, felonies. And you have to remember why. The Atlanta Solidarity Fund has been a critical resource for activists. Make no mistake about it. Um, you know, uh, Hannah Riley, who is an Atlanta-based organizer, um, said the following, quote, What happened this morning is a terrifying escalation by the state and a chillingly direct attack on the First Amendment. This is fascist political repression. Providing mutual aid to people exercising their constitutionally protected rights to protest and dissent is not a crime, end quote. And it's not. Now, as much fun as it is to pick on Donald Trump, and it is, this happened on Biden's watch. But make no mistake about it, Biden's not really a Democrat. He never was. He's a Republican. All right? He really is. But let's move on, okay? Um, there was a public statement from the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, and that is as documented by GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, .georgia.gov press releases. And the public statement from the GBI said that, quote, agents and officers executed a search warrant and found evidence linking the three suspects to the financial crimes, end quote. Now, they go on to say, and this is according to od.decalbcountygeorgia.gov, uh, the warrants for all three arrestees cite, quote, records and reports of certain currency transactions and, quote, fraudulent, misrepresenting, or misleading activities regarding charitable solicitations, end quote. Now, solicitations, not solicitations, solicitations. Um, oh, I, it, Natasha goes on to say, solicitations, quote, is, of course, not a word, um, but the apparent misspelling of the word solicitation appears in all three arrestees' warrants. Okay, so that's pretty, that's pretty uh, sad, really. Now, there was a more detailed arrest warrant for Patterson, um, claiming that the alleged money laundering uh, related to reimbursements made from the nonprofit to uh, Patterson's pay personal PayPal account. And get, again, they're charging this person with money laundering because he had reimbursements that the nonprofit made to his to Patterson's personal PayPal account. And so, what was this horrible money laundering for gasoline for for gasoline i guess for cars you know so maybe it put a few gallons in the tank forest cleanup okay they needed some trash bags totes covid rapid test media yard signs and other miscellaneous expenses okay so maybe they stopped at the drive through at mcdonald's all righty this does not look like money laundering by any stretch of the imagination. 
Uh, and according to the GBI, Georgia Bureau of Investigation statement, quote, all three charged will be booked into a local jail and will have a bond hearing scheduled soon. Okay. So here, here's the thing. All right. I have a question. I don't know who the head of the GBI is, frankly, but I'd like to know who got paid off in the Georgia Bureau of Investigation to push to go along with this SWAT attack. The local police, okay, that speaks for itself. But for the GBI to get involved, no, nah, that's heavy-handed. Who got paid off? It's a question, not an accusation. And, you know, these arrests are just the latest. There's nothing new here. We saw something similar years ago with Occupy. We did. We saw similar with Ferguson. Nothing new here. Now, keep in mind, um, According to this article, it says, quote, Wednesday's arrests are just the latest in extreme law enforcement persecution of the popular Stop Cop City movement. goes on to say, quote, a total of 42 activists are currently facing state domestic terror charges on the flimsiest of police claims, while three others face hefty felony intimidation charges for distributing flyers that named a police officer connected to the brutal police killing of 26-year-old Forest Defender Manuel Tortuguita Tehran, end quote. Okay, this is asinine. So you've got 42 activists that are facing domestic terror charges, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. And this really deals with, you know, when legislators at the state level, even the federal level, write laws that where the, the crimes are, de, are defined in really vague and, and confusing terms. And they do so on purpose so that they can basically arrest people they don't like on a whim. That's really what it boils down to. You know, a legitimate law is supposed to have criterion that are measurable so that you can see, okay, did this person do A, B, and C, then it's that crime. That's not what they're doing nowadays. Now, um, okay, so the activists face felonies for distributing flyers on cop city protest killing. Okay, we're going to go on here. There are a lot of politicians that really want to see Cop City built, of course, especially their Republican governor, Brian Kemp. Okay, now Kemp was quoted in a statement, according to, it was on his Twitter account, actually. So this is Kemp saying it himself, quote, these criminals facilitated and encouraged domestic terrorism. Okay, now that's, that's what Kemp's statement was uh, responding to the arrest. Okay. The fact is no one's been convicted. The case is incredibly weak. In fact, it's laughably weak. But keep in mind, Brian Kemp also wanted to help with uh, basically massive voter suppression. So, you know, he has a history of attacking the black community. No shock there. All right. So, um Organizing bail funds and legal support is something that low-income communities and communities of color have done for a long time. It's decades old. Um, the Atlanta Community Press Collective noted on Twitter, quote, when Dr. King was held in Birmingham jail, churches and community groups, including the NAACP, came together to fund his $4,000 bail, the equivalent of 39000 today, end quote. Okay. This is what it is. The, you know, 
the overreaching domestic terrorism charges, the charges of alleged money laundering, you know, this is supposed to terrorize movements. It's supposed to criminalize dissent and terrorize everybody so much they don't dare say boo. That's what it is. Okay. Um, now, there was another person associated with the fund who was unnamed who said, quote, they are trying to drain our morale and trying to drain our resources. These arrests send a message that if you run a nonprofit that they find to be at odds with their colonial project, they will target you, end quote. This is colonialism, make no mistake about it, which is not a good thing. Um, the charges, besides being unjust and basically having no merit whatsoever, if they're allowed to stand, this is a dangerous precedent because it could criminalize bail funds. It could criminalize legal support networks. Okay? This is consistent with Putin. And, you know, this is really the problem. So Regan, who is an attorney, was also quoted as saying, quote, bailing out protesters who exercise their constitutionally protected rights is simply not a crime. In fact, it is a historically grounded tradition in the very same social and political movements that the city of Atlanta prides itself on. Um, you know, Regan also said in a separate press statement, quote, someone had to bail out civil rights activists in the 60s. I think we can all agree that community support isn't a crime. Okay. So, you know, this is, these arrests come days. Here's another little coincidence. This is as documented by atlpresscollective.com. No small coincidence, these arrests came just a few days after it was revealed that Atlanta officials knew for quite a while that the entire that the cost of building Cop City, the cost to the city of Atlanta, that is, would amount to at least $51 million in public funds, not $30 million that the city officials promised dating back to 2021. Okay. Local opposition to this project is strong. There were hundreds that attended a recent city council meeting speaking out against Cop City. It was a public hearing. All right. This is about big money, and Mayor Dickens just doesn't give a damn. All right. So let's talk a little more about the felonies that I mentioned of these activists. Now, one of the felonies that they face, besides the money laundering, is distributing flyers on the Cop City protester killing. Now, mind you. The identity of the officer that was involved in the execution of Mr. Tortuguita would have been known, should have been actually named by local news anyway. All right. But here's the deal. This is another piece. And again, this one's by Natasha Leonard and Akila Lacey. And it was written earlier in May, May 2nd. And you know, this was before the the raid. Okay, the raid happened towards the end of the month, end of May. This is a little earlier. The activists in the, the headline is activists face felonies for distributing flyers on cop city protests or killing. Um, the activists face 20 years, 20 years in prison for handing out flyers that identified a cop they said was linked to the killing of a protester in the Atlanta forest. Okay. So these three activists are not only being charged with alleged money laundering, 
but also they're facing charges with called felony intimidation of an officer of the state and misdemeanor stalking. And their crime is they placed flyers on mailboxes, like on top of it, not in. Um, this was in a neighborhood in Bartow County, Georgia, which is 40 miles from Atlanta. These were three, three separate activists. They were detained and held for days in solitary confinement, according to a lawyer working on the case, and as well as a relative of one of the activists, and they relayed that to The Intercept. Now, the flyer, according to the lawyer, names this police officer, and the police officer apparently lives in the area. And it alleges that he was connected to the killing uh, back in January of forest defender Manuel Tortuguita Tehran, and that was during that multi-agency raid on the Atlanta forest protest encampment. Now, uh, excuse me, uh, lost my place here. Okay, so there was a forensics report. And if you read the article yourself, you can see it yourself. And the forensics report was from the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. And it was, and according to the GBI's own forensics report, uh, there were six state patrol officers named in Tortuguita's killing. Their names are Bryland Myers, Jerry Parrish, Jonathan Salcedo, Mark Jonathan Lamb, Ronaldo Cagle, and Royce Zah. Now, one of the officers lives in that area where the flyers were, you know, sent. Now, the report, the apparently the, the forensics report was obtained by the Atlanta Community Press Collective, which is an abolitionist nonprofit media group, and they obtained it through an open records request. Okay? So, you know, basically this, this goes on and explains how um, there was an activist. Okay, this is, let me back up a little bit here. Okay. According to a woman named Julia Dupuy, there was an activist named Charlie. Now, Charlie asked that his the last name be withheld for safety concerns. And there was also an activist named Wednesday, and they were arrested at a gas station outside the town of Cartersville. Now, according to the lawyer, and the lawyer's Lyra Foster, the activist... Um, drove like one time through the neighborhood and placed flyers on mailboxes on top of they did not exit their vehicle they did not approach any residents um you know and these bogus charges they could each face up to 20 years in prison okay keep in mind people that went on the raid on january 6th that were involved in pounding on police officers that were involved in a lot of the deaths that attacked our government, that committed acts of insurrection. I think one of them got maybe 10 years in prison. These people could face 20 years in prison each for passing out flyers. And this is information that any press report could, any press organization could have obtained through an open records request from the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. That's it. No biggie. Okay. Um, and, you know, their attorney said the activists had no intention of intimidating the officer. They were just trying to let people know. Okay. So these three people, they were held in Bartow County Jail. They were denied bond by the magistrate judge. None of the defendants has any criminal history. There's no allegation of violence. 
And the attorney, Lyra Foster, said, quote, denying them bond was extreme in my opinion. Okay. So they were held according to Lyra Foster as well as Dupuis' brother, Nicholas Keith Dupuis. These activists were held in solitary confinement for days. No reasons given by the jail. Um, Spokespeople, according to this report by The Intercept, for the Bartow County Sheriff's Office and the District Attorney's Office didn't failed to respond to any request for comment. The Georgia State Patrol also failed to respond to, to any requests. Uh, I'm sorry. The Georgia State Patrol also failed to respond to any uh, requests for comment as well. Okay. Now, you can see what's happening here. All right. Um, there's another activist organizer, rather, Marlon Couts, who is an Atlanta-based organizer with the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, who explained it a little further and said, quote, ever since state police killed Tortuguita, their top priority has been to keep the situation quiet. Now that the public is calling attention to it, police are doubling down. It's exactly the same strategy they've used before against stop cop city protesters. Wave around extreme charges, throw activists in jail without bail, and hope the problem goes away, end quote. Okay? So, you know, once again, this is what's happening here. And you got to wonder... This is crazy, okay? you got to wonder, what, why do they think this is okay? And so we're going to get into this a little bit more now. Um, this is a disgrace, all right? It, it, brings, it brings back memories of Occupy, for sure. It just does. Mm. Drink a little water here. So... If anyone's listening and they think, well, Janine, you're just citing ultra-radical left-wing sources, eh, wrong. The next source I have comes from Forbes, Forbes Forbes.com. Hardly ultra-left-wing. It's very business. And this was an article written by Morgan Simon, who is a senior contributor at Forbes. It was written March 14th. And... um, the headline is, Cops and Donuts Go Together More Than You Thought. The Corporation's Funding Cop City in Atlanta. Not Left Wing, not Forbes. Okay. And, you know, corporations, you know, they love hedging their bet. I mean, the hypocrisy is just beyond the pale. So you'll see corporations, according to this article, that they'll make – Billions of dollars in commitments to racial justice, like right after the the George Floyd protest, okay, because they want that, that halo effect, which makes it look like they're the good guys, and the billions of dollars that's documented by the Washington Post, okay? In fact, the, the first line of the article, I'll read exactly as it is. Quote, corporations loudly made billions with a B of dollars in commitments to racial justice in the wake of the murder of George Floyd by police officers, often seeking the associated halo effect with an increasingly diverse consumer population in the U.S. What is less well known, ironically, is their equal support of the expansion and increased militarization of police departments this past decade through organizations called police foundations in cities such as Atlanta, New York, Louisville, and Los Angeles, end quote. Okay, so 
You've got these corporations. They want that halo effect because they want dollars coming from communities of color saying, see, we empathize with you. But at the same time, they're giving money to police foundations that back things like Cop City. Now, again, when you hear police foundation, you think of the police retirement fund. You think that, okay, they're somehow associated directly with police departments, and it's a public institution. Police foundations are not a public institution. Police foundations are private non-for-profits, and they are basically owned by the corporations that fund them. In fact, the, the police foundation in Atlanta is run by a man who's an ex-Secret Service officer. Hardly someone who believes in democratic dissent. Okay, they're supposed to be basically guard dogs. Make no mistake about it. So government funds go to police departments, and when we give our tax dollars to police departments, there's – supposedly public oversight. There's accountability, right? Police foundations don't have to have any of that. There is no public oversight. There is no public accountability mechanism for police foundations because, again, they are private organizations. Now, according to this article, I'm going to read this sentence exactly as, as uh, published. Quote, while government funds deployed to police departments have public oversight and accountability mechanisms, Police foundations do not. They are controlled by boards of directors, largely made up of officials from the corporations that fund them, end quote. Now, there was a 2021 report that was um, written by collect, written uh, jointly by Color of Change and Little Sis, and they documented 1,200 corporations, including – the parent core of Dunkin' Donuts, which is Atlanta-based Inspire Brands, and funding 23 police foundations nationally. And that was almost $60 million in 2019, which is – and 2019 is the most recent year that the report deals with, okay? So think about that. 1,200 corporations that fund these police foundations, okay? All right. So – the article goes on to say, quote, this is why on June 18th of 2020, the same week of Richard Brooks' funeral, the Atlanta Police Foundation was able to announce a $500 bonus for each police officer. They have funding independent from any government authority or accountability. And that $500 bonus was as documented by www.policefoundation.org. Their own documentation. Okay. Now, while it's true the Fulton County prosecutors did bring felony murder and other charges against the now ex-officer who shot Richard Brooks, um, you know, once again, that doesn't make up for what these police foundations do. Okay. Now, uh, going further, let's talk about some of the corporations that fund these police foundations. Okay. We've, we did a show about this, I think, a couple of years ago, actually. Uh, the public is starting to learn more about these foundations. Uh, for instance, the LA Times covered the, quote, relatively hidden multi-million dollar fundraising arm of the LAPD, end quote. Um, you know, 
So the ar- the article goes on to say, quote, is it any wonder then that with corporations and their executives bankrolling police foundations, problems like wage theft where corporations illegally underpay already low-wage workers still vastly exceed all their types of property crime in the U.S., end quote. And that's as documented by www.epi.org. Okay. You see the collusion going on. And that's what this article in Forbes is really saying that there is collusion, and it's corporate-funded collusion between not only the police foundation, these corporations, but also what police departments do. Because, I mean, think about it. If Atlanta's police department is going to get even more money from the foundation than they get from the taxpayers, who are they going to favor? Let's get a little real here. And again, not an accusation. It's a question. Um So cop city and corporate funding, okay? If you look at the Atlanta Police Department, they had in 2022 a $236 million budget. And I read earlier that's like over a third of Atlanta's entire budget, okay? You know, when young people talk and they use the slogan defund police, they're not – well, maybe some are. Most are not saying let's get rid of the police altogether. That would be crazy. What they're really saying is take some of this excessive funding the police have and send it elsewhere to public uh, entities that are actually going to benefit the people, whether it's job creation, public health, um, the schools, whatever, you know, housing the unhoused. The police have way too much budget. Okay. Now, in spite of having a $236 million budget in 2022, the police department in Atlanta also received approval for a $90 million project dubbed Cop City. Okay? Now, the Atlanta Police Foundation, according to this, agreed to fundraise $60 million alongside the city's $30 million. Well, now the city's cost, as we talked about in an earlier article, is really going to be closer to $51 million. Okay? Apparently, Mayor Dickens just doesn't really pay attention to the 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 math of it, I don't know. So this is really about the corporate money jerry-rigging the system. Okay, it just is. You know, while this may not hit the legal, the uh, the technical legal um, parameter for corruption, influence, peddling, or bribery, the effect's the same. Okay. Now, keep in mind, 11 Alive, which is Atlanta's local NBC affiliate, noted, quote, the Atlanta Police Foundation's board is filled with executives from nearly all of Atlanta's big-name companies like Delta, Waffle House, Home Depot, Georgia Pacific, Equifax, Carter, Accenture, Wells Fargo, and UPS, um, and there's others still. And it goes on, and they um, – 11 Alive also said, quote, it reads like a who's who of corporate Atlanta, end quote. Okay. And apparently the Atlanta Police Department, I'm sorry, the Atlanta Police Foundation is, according to this article in Forbes, quote, unusually well-funded. And that's this documented by AJC.com. Um, the highest paid executive of any police foundation is the Atlanta Police Foundation, and he gets 476000 a year. Wow. Again, 
there's a lot of people locally that do not want this. All right? Um, they don't want a police militarization facility in their neighborhoods. Um, there was a fourth-generation resident that spoke out at a local council meeting, for example, saying, quote, I don't want my children to grow up hearing explosions, end quote, because there would be bo- a bomb training facility nearby, near these neighborhoods. Okay? Now, according to the article by Forbes, quote, Republican Governor Brian Kemp and Democratic Mayor of Atlanta Andre Dickens have dismissed opposition to the project as being from outsiders, but locals packed zoning board appeal meetings, end quote. You know, we expect, and that's according to theguardian.com, you know, we expect this type of duplicity from someone like Brian Kemp, but here, Andre Dickens is basically, here he's a Democratic black mayor, and he is literally, literally a predator on his own people because it gets him ahead politically. I don't care what else he's done. The community doesn't want it. It's not being from outsiders. These are locals. They pack zoning board meetings. All right? Apparently, one of the biggest objections... The Cop City facility in Atlanta would require destroying up to 400 acres of the South River Forest. Now, the South River Forest, according to this Forbes article, is, quote, considered, quote, a vital headwater for an ecological keystone for the region. Okay? This adds insult to historic injury given the land was already stolen from the Muscogee Creek people forced out during the U.S. genocidal effort to relocate native peoples to present-day Oklahoma, better known as the Trail of Tears, end quote. Okay? So this will harm that as well. They're going to be using grenades. They're going to be using other kinds of explosives. There's going to be environmental devastation, and the children in that area will have to breathe in that pollute, those pollutants. So let's look at the money. Follow the money. So, uh, again, there's a full list of um, corporate contributors, okay? And, and here's the thing. They call themselves the Public Safety First Campaign. Isn't that funny? So let me get that document. Okay, I can't quite access that. My computer's doing something weird. But this Public Safety First Campaign... Here are some more of the actual corporate contributors that are basically attacking a right to First, First Amendment protected dissent. And, and they're attacking our right to not be attacked in our homes by military, militarized police. They're attacking the right of us and our children to not breathe in polluted air from explosions in the neighborhood. These corporate contributors include Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, Chick-fil-A, the Coca-Cola Company, J. Davis was also known as National Distributing Company, Gas South, Georgia Pacific, Brent Scarborough Company Incorporated, Norfolk Southern, another big polluter, Tony Ressler, who's the majority owner of the Atlanta Hawks NBA team, Rollins, Austin Stevens, and UPS. Okay, I can say right now, looking at this, I will. Well, first of all, I don't buy Chick Fil A because 
they are they fund groups that attack the LGBTQ community. I will never drink another Coca-Cola product as long as I live. I I won't go to Bank of America either. And those of you who are sports, that are sports fans, let Mr. Wrestler know that, yeah, you're going to be boycotting his Atlanta Hawks NBA team. Because he gave one of the biggest contributions, a cool million. Okay? Now, Again, this is an article from Forbes. Um, Forbes requested comment. Two corporations clarified their donations were earmarked for, quote, the At Promise Youth Initiative. And they claimed that neither corporation was funding the training center. And those two corporations were Bank of America and Gas South. Okay. Apparently, the other corporations and individuals on the list never responded to a request for comment. So, once again, the question that Forbes asked, this is, again, you can't claim that this is just me, you know, basically digging up, um, you know, a wild uh, left-wing whatever, okay? This came from Forbes, Forbes money, okay? So, we're going to go back here a little more now, Um go here. All right. So then the question the Forbes the Forbes writer asked and it's it's there in a subtitle. <laughs> quote, public safety or corporate safety? End quote. Okay. That's Forbes. It's a good question though. <clears throat> and it's one that needs to be asked and demanded. So Research um, has been done by Little Sis, which is a research organization, and they were quoted as saying, quote, in 2011, J.P. Morgan gave the New, the New York City Police Foundation $4.6 million, turning the NYPD into a militarized presence during Occupy Wall Street, um, end quote. And then they, talked, they mentioned Heidi Bogosian of the National Lawyers Guild, um, she said that it created an appearance of, quote, the police protecting corporate interests rather than protecting the First Amendment rights of the people, end quote. And it's true. Okay. Um, you know, this is what we're talking about here. Now, when you look at the corporate funding, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of surprising and well, Forbes thinks it's surprising. I think it's hypocrisy. Tony Ressler, who you know is the owner of the um, the NBA team, I don't follow sports. Chick Fil A, UPS, Coca Cola, and Norfolk Southern, according to the article, they've all made quote prior racial equity commitments in the wake of George Floyd's murder end quote. Um, and so did UPS. Apparently, UPS, for example, quote talks about quote creating social impact, advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion, and, quote, building stronger communities, end quote. Tony Ressler, who's the owner of the Atlantic Hawks, and he's also founder of, of something called Apollo Global Management, um, before this had committed tens of millions to racial equity, and that's as documented by bizjournals.com. Atlanta and Southern staple Coca-Cola um, basically 
promised to, quote, take a deep look at what it could do to end the cycle of systemic racism. And that's as documented by www.cocacolacompany.com. Okay. Coca-Cola went on to say, quote, racial injustice and environmental racism are not easy problems to solve, but if these are problems corporations are truly interested in addressing, it's understandable why people would question whether cutting down 85 acres of forest to likely encourage more aggressive police tactics is not the best way to start. Oh, I'm sorry. I take that back. I made a mistake. I'm tired, folks. So, Coca-Cola promised to take a deep look at what it could do to end the system, end the cycle of systemic racism, end quote. Now, this next statement has nothing to do with Coca-Cola, all right? It's basically saying that not only the injustices of racism, but also environmental racism, these are hard problems. Um, and if corporate, if corporate interests are really, if they're serious about, you know, doing something about systemic racism and environmental racism, then... Why are they back in Cop City, you know, where basically 85 acres of forest will be cut down, the local river will likely be polluted, there will be grenades tossed, and other explosions, you know, again, it doesn't make sense. You would think that instead of funding Cop City, they would want to fund things like programs for education and community support and health care, things that actually help people. Now... The investors are starting to take note. There is a coalition of investors and advocates, and they're being led by something called Justice Capital. And Justice Capital's reached out to several corporations such as UPS, Chick-fil-A, and Coca-Cola, and questioning their relationship with the Atlanta Police Foundation and potential involvement in Cop City. Now, Eric Glass of Justice Capital said the following, quote, corporations need to be consistent in word and deed, and we, the public, should hold them accountable for those words and deeds. Um, someone in the C-suite needs to ask the question, does contributing to a police foundation and or a militarized training facility align with our proclamations and declarations around racial justice as well as diversity, equity, and inclusion? He goes on to say corporations need to answer to their customers and to the public writ large when they fail to walk the walk and talk the talk, end quote. And I agree wholeheartedly, you know, um, you know, with Mr. Glass of Justice Capital. Again, this is what we're dealing with here. Now, there is a phenomenal report that was um, actually, it was originally published in Scalawag. And it was written by journalist Micah Herskind. And the, you know, it's about, this is, it's called This is the Atlanta Way, a Primer on Cop City. Um, and Herskind really gets into some depth of what's going on behind this. You know, I've just touched upon it. It's a long report. We're going to deal with it next week because it's too long to deal with uh, and it really deals with the history of, you know, corporate-sponsored racism and environmental racism. And it is corporate-sponsored, a lot of it. You know, there's nothing, you know, nothing new here. Okay? This is big money. But it's really long. So we're going to deal with it next week. I just don't want to confuse the issue. But this is what's going on here, and it's very dangerous just is okay so now 
we're going to go on to, we're going to take these a little out of order. Usually next I do my little Margie, okay? But, and then the Jackass of the Week. This time I'm going to reverse it. We're going to do Jackass of the Week first, okay? So give me a second here. Give me a minute. I got to get my sound effect going here. Again, I am not that uh, tech savvy. All right, here we go. Come on. Just one second. Welcome to PNN's Jackass of the Week Award. Bray on, Jack. Bray on. This week, our jackass of the week is Fox host Mark Levin. Now, Mr. Levin is actually a properly trained attorney. He knows better. And this has to deal with, um, this week, the Trump indictment, the Trump criminal indictment. Yay! Okay. Um, And, of course, you know, Trump supporters, their heads are exploding. They're calling it a political witch hunt. It's not. All right? They have evidence. He had materials he wasn't supposed to hold on to, including not just classified materials, but top secret materials, and then what they call SAP secret access programs, which are even higher than top secret, and allegedly he had some nuclear documents. So, you know, basically, even if Trump claims he could declassify them by thinking, which is just stupidly insane. The fact is that no president can unilaterally declassify anything pertaining to nuclear. He has to have congressional approval as well. So, and that's law. So let's go on. So this is a piece that was um, written by the independent.co.uk. So it's an, a, a British newspaper. Fox host Mark Levin screams at camera and outrage at Trump indictment over secret papers. And Levin is quoted as saying, quote, what's going on here is a disgusting disgrace, and it is a war on Trump, a war on the Republican Party, and a war on the Republic, end quote. It's by Andrea Blanco, and it was published like eight hours ago. You know, the fact is, Mark Levin just did this diatribe. He appeared on Sean Hannity's segment on Thursday night. Um, Let me go on here. And, And, you know, he's just really a nut job, okay, in my opinion. So let's go on to Mark Levin here. Give me a second here. So on Trump indictment. Sorry, folks. It's been a long week. All right. So he explodes on the Trump indictment. Maybe I can get this here. Hopefully you can hear this. Whoops. Sorry about that. (laughs) We've got a commercial here. I told you it's a live show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we don't want to hear Sean Hannity. We know he's an idiot. Go ahead. Bloviate. Well. Good. Is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The bandits, huh? The Democratic Party, not Democrat Party. 
They don't play fair. Okay, I'm going to cut this guy off, all right? His first complaint is that Donald Trump is 76 years old. So his complaint is, well, he's old, so, so we shouldn't hold him accountable for crimes that he's committed, including crimes that put our national security at grave risk. Now, keep in mind, what you have to understand is this, and Mr. Levin knows this. He's an attorney. If you work in the military or even as a contractor and you're handling classified, top secret, or nuclear documents, or SAP documents even, and let's say you happen to drop one of them because it's not all computerized for obvious reasons and misplace it, the average person, doesn't matter if they're a general or whatever, their security clearance would be yanked immediately. They would be criminally investigated to make sure it wasn't done with premeditation. They would definitely be fired if not have charges, you know, filed against them. Donald Trump took these documents. He left them at Mar-a-Lago in the ballroom. And I think one was in a bathroom. I I mean, I don't care if he's old. He broke the law. And Mr. Levin's going, well, he would die in jail. Good. He should. Mr. Levin is crying because this older, rich person should not be held accountable. Again, Mark Levin is a licensed attorney. It takes some real nerve, basically, tell these many, this many lies of omission. But Mark Levin did it, and, you know, I'm sad to say he was born into, uh, he's a fellow Jew, born into a Jewish family. And you know what? In Yiddish, there's a word for people like Mark Levin, a couple of them. One is a schnorr, which is somebody who just takes advantage. The other one uh, is, you know, basically um, a ganif, a thief. And then there's a sonder commando. That means a traitor. Mr. Levin is a traitor as far as I'm concerned in the way he is viewing our national security. Whether Donald Trump did this with premeditation, and I suspect he did, the fact remains that his carelessness put our national security in grave danger, period. That's number one. Do I think Donald Trump did this with premeditation? Yeah. And I don't need, you know, whether it's on the conservative side, liberal side, why did he do it? Why did we do it? I suspect this was his insurance policy. He did it not just because he was throwing a tantrum. Uh, Could it be that Donald Trump took these documents to sell them? It's a question that needs to be not only asked, it needs to be investigated. Okay? As far as I'm concerned, the charges that Donald Trump's facing isn't enough. Not only should, should Donald Trump be investigated and charged with money laundering and violations of the Espionage Act, but Mr. Trump should also be charged with high treason, with the intent to do damage to the national security of the United States. That's it. So for that reason and so many others, because Mr. Levin opens his well-trained mouth, and for God's sake, all that comes out of it is more braying. Bray on, Mark Levin. Congrats. You have our Jackass of the Week Award. Okay, so now we're going to move on. This is our last feature of the day, and this is our My Little Margie. Okay, I'm going to go here. So first, let's do it. 
My little Margie. The Neanderthal girl. She hates gays. She hates trans people. But, my God, what will I, little Margie, do next? We understand her IQ is not in the three digits. But, you know, she entertains nonetheless. Oh, Margie, what are you going to do next? You naughty girl. But that's... Bingo. All right, that's my little Margie. So let's go to it here. There's a couple of things here. It was hard to pick. So Marjorie Taylor Greene was, uh, there's this piece here by All Sides, and uh, the headline is uh, reads, Marjorie Taylor Greene's surprising reaction to Donald Trump's indictment. Okay. And uh, this was from Newsweek, okay, uh, by Julia Carbonaro from a couple days ago and you know she was interviewed on Fox News and she told Laura Ingraham quote I have to tell you Laura I feel like we are winning we won some today when everyone feels like we are losing especially with this indictment of President Trump and this document hoax okay so once again you know Margie, here, I, hopefully you can hear this, okay? Hopefully you can hear this. Okay, so, whoops, I didn't mean, okay, we've heard enough from her. So, you know, again, look at Margie, that chrome, no, that Neanderthal brow, those buff arms, you know, she's so worried about trans people, but I don't know many women that have guns like that. I mean, is Margie taking testosterone? What? And the fact is now she thinks that the Republicans supporting Trump are winning because now he's been indicted and it's a document hoax. Sweetie, it's not a document hoax, okay? And if this is winning, please, Let's do some more winning. Let's win to the point that Donald Trump goes all the way to the Supermax for the rest of his days, along with the people that had to coordinate this effort. That's the other thing people need to realize. Donald Trump didn't have the smarts, in my opinion, to know what documents to take. He had to have had help, and he had to have had help by people that were knowledgeable And I just say, if this is winning, Margie, then by golly, let's have some more winning where Trump and his buddies, let's win them all the way to the Supermax. And that is, that is our little Margie for today. Let's, let's win. Let's win some more. Let's win Donald Trump all the way to the Supermax, along with, um, Steve Bannon and Bill Barr and all the people that weren't smart enough to know what documents to take to compromise our national security. Oh, I think they'll look quite fetching in orange. And it's really smart of little Margie to decide that this is winning. That's, that's our, so that's, that's my little Margie. Okay. A little lumpy today. I tried my best folks. All righty. So that's our show for today. I hope you learned something from it. Uh, unless something else happens and with this new cycle, God only knows anything could happen. But 
we will be talking more about Cop City, and not just Cop City next week. We're going to talk about the history of systemic racism and environmental racism and related to police activities in the Atlanta area. Okay, And like I said, um, the report done by Micah Herskine is phenomenal. And it's just it's going to take a whole show just to go through it. And I hope you tune in. You know, parting thoughts. You know, I, I look at what's going on here nowadays. This has been a very um, weird week. You know, Donald Trump was criminally indicted on, I believe, 38 charges. It's like my prayers have been answered. Uh, and not just because Trump is a Republican and not just because I think he's a neo-Nazi. I do believe that but because he put our national security in dire jeopardy. Make no mistake about it. And then we have the death of Pat Robertson at 93. Now, I know you're not supposed to say you're glad somebody passed, but honestly, I'm glad he's dead. Okay? The hatred that Pat Robertson pushed with his 700 program, I'm glad he's gone. You know? Speaking as a religious minority in this country, um, it's it's hard to be a religious minority here. It's not as hard as some places, but you know the Christian majority, you know the the abuse that religious minorities and atheists and agnostics take from alleged Christians is nonstop. It's everything from literally slandering us and calling us murderers and calling us pedophiles and groomers and really inciting a lynch mob mentality to what are called microaggressions like, you know, proselytizing. And when you politely say, no, thank you, well, I'll pray for you. And, you know, we're here to save you. You know, just that mentality alone, you know, what is it? after If you refuse to be saved, then they're going to consider you evil. I mean, that's not tolerance. You don't agree with somebody, but, you know, once again, this level of hate is coming from, you know, especially white Christian ministers, um, especially in the evangelical community. I'm sorry, but it's true. And, uh, you know, I remember growing up as religiously closeted, you know. Uh, My mother said, you know, it's nobody's business what you are religiously. You never know who's a hater. That's what I grew up with. And even as an adult in the work world, you know, come time for the high holidays. Really, does everybody come down with blue flu on those days? Because, again, there are, there is hatred out there. Now we see open anti-Semitism as well as open hatred of Muslims as well. Open hatred of Buddhists and Hindus and atheists and agnostics. And, you know, the fact is... Um, Pat Robertson helped fuel that fire. He just did. So while it may not be charitable, I'm glad he's gone. And I won't apologize for that sentiment at all. Um, It is a stain on our democracy that there are people that want theocracy. Just is. There are people now, thanks in large part to Mr. Robertson, and his megaphone that believes there's no such thing as a separation of church and state. Well, there is. It's called it's called the Establishment Clause. It says government can't establish or favor a religion. It's right there in the First Amendment, but they don't want to see it. And the fact is that's dangerous. 
let's think about what religion is, and I'm including my own, Judaism, especially if you're Orthodox or ultra-Orthodox. Organized religion is based on, you know, a dictatorship. God is in charge, and we just do what we're told. You know, unless you are a believer in a more liberal form. It is not, you know, especially fundamentalist religion. Fundamentalism, religious fundamentalism is not going to live peaceably next to democracy. In fact, fundamentalist religion's primary goal is to destroy any sort of democracy, to destroy any sort of equality. That's its mission. Now, if you want to be fundamentalist, be fundamentalist. I don't care as long as that separation of church and state remains intact and strong. That's it. So, you know, once again, here I am in the middle of the Bible Belt in Missouri, you know, and, um, you know, I, I don't care. I'm glad Pat Robertson is gone. Good riddance. There are prob- there's probably people in the LGBTQ community as well as religious minorities, a.k.a. non-Christians, that are breathing a sigh of relief because that old man just made our lives a living hell even though we had done him no harm. We have never done Christians any harm. That's just the way it is. And a lot of us are tired of being, sick and tired of being treated like unwanted stepchildren that are just barely tolerated, if that. So that's my rant for today. I hope you learned something. Uh, Again, unless something else happens, and nowadays God only knows, then next week will be part two of the Cop City situation and really the history behind corporate rule and how it ties in with abusive police tactics. With that, I say good night, and whatever you believe in, bless you.